Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our guest is Dr. R. Jared Stout. He serves as Director of Content for Exodus 90. Uh, He is an instructor for the Lay Division of St. John Vianney Seminary. Jared is also an author of several books, including How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization. And Jared, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, So I read one of your recent articles in the Catholic World Report, uh, Learning to Do Nothing, the Art of Sacred Silence. And I thought, boy, people need to think about that more than ever with as crazy as this world is, don't you think? (laughs) Well, there's just a constant stream of information, sound, you know, images, videos that's coming at us. Um, And, you know, I go back frequently to a book by Nicholas Carr, The Shallows, What the Internet is Doing to Our Brains, that is making them shallow, making it hard to think, to concentrate, and I think, therefore, to pray. You know, I kind of connect that book to Cardinal Seurat's book, The Power of Silence, um, and, and, and just really emphasize that silence does have this great power of drawing us into communion with the Lord, and we have to recover that. Well, and you start off in the very first sentence of the uh, of the article, silence may save your soul. And if we really care about our souls, we really have to spend that time in quiet and contemplation because we're never going to hear not only the Lord speak to us, but we're never going to be able to get a, a be able to get our thoughts collected together with being bombarded with all this stuff on social media and television and wherever else. You know, there's a saying of the saints, I think St. Alphonsus Liguori said it and others, but, you know, those who pray will be saved. Those who do not pray will not. Um, and so if if silence is necessary for prayer, then yes, then it's necessary to really save our souls. Um, so I, I think really cultivating this disposition of being able to enter into silence and to sit with the Lord, you know, can be absolutely essential for growing in the spiritual life. You also quote several in the book, and I, and by the way, The Power of Silence is a great book. I would highly, read, uh, highly recommend people getting that. I actually did a silent retreat with that book, and it was just so fruitful, and it, it's something that I keep in the forefront of my mind and, and part of my actual you know, prayer to every day. Uh, but you also quote you know, Blaise Pascal, and you know, we talk, he talks about you know, distractions are part of life. But in today's world, it's like it's on steroids, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Pascal, that line, it's, it's, it's wonderful. You know, but he, he says that there's nothing more terrifying to us than silence, but also nothing more necessary, right? And if that cultivates silence, I mean, we can get everything in order in our lives because we really do have to, to foster this interior order. But we're constantly looking for distractions. And yeah, they're just, we don't have to go looking for them anymore, do you? <laughs> they're coming to get you. And so it's necessary to be very deliberate, to, to put up a fence even, I think, to say, I want to really have peace of mind. I want to have peace of soul. I want my family to have peace in the home. And so we are going to foster that and protect it and guard it. Um, from these outside influences. And so that's the phone and any other devices just trying to say, you know, we're going to have a time when all these devices are turned off. 
And as a family, we're going to foster silence, not just me individually, but, you know, I'm going to help my kids to develop this. I'm going, we're going to get it out of the bedroom so my wife and I can actually see each other, talk to each other, grow in our relationship, because there's a lot of couples, you know, you see these stereotypical images, but it's true of a couple sitting next to each other and they're, they're both just on their devices. Well, I mean, you can go to any restaurant and see that almost any day of the week and not not just once. You'll see it um, multiple times. But I think, you know, it brings up a good point. You know, as as couples, you know, as spouses, we can help each other, especially when we have kids or, you know, a lot of activity in the home. Right. Where one spouse can say, OK, it's your time. Go to adoration. Go spend time. And it needs to be on a regular basis. So it's not that. We just kind of get sucked into this hectic world and we feel like we don't have a reprieve. That's where spouses can really help each other, can't they? Yeah, absolutely. And, and even to give that time for each other, like you said, to be able to go to the Adoration Chapel or even just to have 15 minutes each for prayer and to say, I'll, I'll take care of everything else, you know, and you can expand it from 15 minutes out to a half an hour or beyond. But to even just start with 15 minutes where I'm going to sit quietly with the Lord. I'm going to open up the Bible. I'm going to sit down, have a little space in my house, maybe like a room where there's no distractions, going to go in there, close the door, but help our kids to do that as well. I, I mean, working in Catholic schools, which was my previous job before taking the job with Exodus 90, I was shocked at the problems that young kids were having through technology, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, Issues of sexuality, for sure, but you know that. But these young kids just having their own devices, whether it's a phone or an iPad, and and I think it's it's terrible because yes, there are temptations there. But even just in terms of the development of the brain, are they being active, thinking, or do they have things in their hands to really d develop, you know, linguistic skills? Or every, is everything just passive now? They're just receiving all this content and that's shaping the way that they think or, or don't think uh, shaping their desires and, and even calling their identity into question. I guess the, you know, the point is that if we as parents and adults don't see the importance of silence, then we're not going to share that with our kids and they're never going to know about it, you know, until they get older and hopefully someday find out. But, you know, there's not only that power of silence, but I think there's a great fear in silence as well, because that at some point, we might have to hear the Lord ask us or tell us to do something that we don't feel comfortable. We may have to look at ourselves and see who we really are because we've gotten rid of all the distractions. So there can be a fear of silence that we really need to overcome to realize how uh, fruitful it can be. I think that's what Pascal was getting at. Yeah, because we're, we're terrified by silence because when we enter into it, and all the distractions are gone. What are we? What are we left with? You know, we the the choice is to enter into ourselves, to face things that are difficult, but also to to really live. I, I think to to think about the things that matter most. I'm shocked. You know, sometimes talking to people to say, "What do you think about this?" People say, "I don't know. I I have I haven't ever thought about that." I mean, crucial questions. So yeah, I mean, things from our past will come up that we have to deal with, but. At least we'll be able to deal with them. Um, we'll be able to to really look at important decisions, but most importantly, we learn to listen to the voice of God. Cardinal Seurat says this in the Power of Silence that God speaks to us all the time, but His language is silence, and we have to become accustomed to listening to the way that He speaks.
And I think the prophet Elijah has a great image of this, right? He, he goes to Mount Horeb and, you know, you have the lightning and the earthquakes and all of these things. Um, but he only hears the voice of God in the stillness. And it's the same in our own lives. And praying is difficult. It is something we have to cultivate. And it really is battling in silence to cultivate an inner space of peace to be able to hear the voice of God. Yeah, I mean, it's easy. You know, you get in the car and you flip on the radio or you put in your your music or whatever you're doing, right? There are plenty of opportunities that we can spend some time in silence. Now, there are some distractions when you're driving, obviously, but we can, if we're more intentional, we can find different ways to, to as you mentioned earlier, leave the phone off. It could be just sitting in your living room if the kids are out playing or whatever it may be, or driving a car again if nobody else is in it. Don't turn anything on. There are times throughout a regular day, even a work day, where we can find those times of silence. And if we're intentional about it, it can really you know, help us and, and lead us to be more comfortable when we go to adoration or spend that time with the Lord. Yeah, I, I do think that adoration helps. Just being in front of the Blessed Sacrament, I, I find that I'm just drawn into uh, silence so much more easily. But but it is true that we can cultivate it in these small ways. And a lot of people say that the the easiest time for silence is after we wake up in the morning. So just waking up a little bit earlier. That's hard for me. I, I struggle with sleep apnea. But you know, nonetheless, you know, just setting that alarm 10, 15 minutes earlier getting up and immediately taking time for silence is probably the best way to cultivate that habit. But if you're able to, maybe even over the lunch hour or right after work or in the evening, just getting into a chapel or into your parish church for a little bit, I I think it's easier to sit. I just really feel the Lord's presence so strongly for for good reason, right? You know, uh, being in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And so I, I find it much easier to do it that way when I can. Uh, and I don't. I couldn't just uh, agree with you more because I I do regular adoration uh, at least once or twice a week, and you know you don't need to bring. And I see some people bring in stacks and stacks of books, and there, you know there's nothing wrong with you know doing religious reading, but sometimes we just need to sit there and be present to the Lord and not let our mind be occupied by other things because we might not be as attuned to listening unless we're just sitting there staring at that blessed sacrament and trying to get rid of the world's distractions or those thoughts that kind of pop up in our head that may lead us away. But even when that happens, right, you're still in a better place by doing that. But I think the more and more you do it, the less those distractions uh, get in the way. Yeah, and, and the purpose of spiritual reading and meditation is to bring us into an encounter with the Lord and contemplation. In meditation, our minds are active. We're thinking about things, even if it's the Holy Scripture. But in contemplation, we're drawn into this kind of loving uh, embrace with the Lord silently in prayer. And so that's the goal. Uh, And so if we spend even an hour in adoration, but we're reading the whole time, then we're actually falling into noise, I think. You know, that prayer itself needs silence to to really be fruitful. And it's hard to sit there for an hour in silence, but I I think we can alternate between times of more activity and reading and thinking and then more receptive times uh, of silence. Yeah. And I think it is, 
important. I think it's a good point, right? We can alternate and do different things, but we do have to spend time listening. You know, the old saying is, you know, God gave you two ears and one mouth. So we need to spend time, you know, prayer is great, but if it's always help me, help me, help me, give me, give me, give me, there's no time to hear the Lord's response. And I think is it, the more focused we are on that, you know, that art of sacred silence, then we become more receptive to want to be a great listener as opposed to always being the one talking. That's right. I, I tell people, if you can't hear God's voice in prayer, maybe we maybe you should stop talking, right, <laughs> and try listening. But the, the ultimate goal of prayer is to look upon the face of the Father, you know, uh, through Christ and the Holy Spirit, right? So it really is about coming before the Most Holy Trinity, and so you're right. It's it, you know we can come into prayer and say, well, I need this, or I'm worried about this, and and that's good. We need to bring those things before the Lord. But there is so much more, um, and Jesus is the one who teaches us how to pray. He teaches us how to to love the Father in spirit and truth, and that is really the goal of prayer: uh, to to be conformed to Christ, to be one with Him, and to be drawn into the divine life. I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's uh, you know beneficial to remind ourselves that not only is prayer or you know that silence help us get in tune with the Lord and let Him speak to us, but it helps us kind of work things out too. Right, we're bombarded by things in the world, the news, the media. Everybody's trying to tell us how to think and what to think, and when we're in silence, we can kind of go through things and think of things rationally as opposed to just being kind of the lemming and doing whatever the media says to do. So listening can help us focus on what's going on in the world in a way that we can better understand it and not fall into, you know, one camp or another. We get to think of things rationally, and I think it can help us a bunch there. Yeah, and I think God draws us more and more into his life, as I was saying. So, for instance, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, we have the mind of Christ. And then we think of the gift of the Holy Spirit and, and the many gifts that he gives us, wisdom, understanding, knowledge. So more and more as we grow in prayer, we won't even be on our own trying to figure things out. We'll walk out of prayer and, and we'll just kind of see things differently, not just our, through our own eyes, kind of purified by silence, but I think more and more with the mind of Christ guided by the Holy Spirit to, to see into things from a divine perspective, to see much more deeply um, and, and to have the, the kind of wisdom that comes from an encounter with God. I think even in your article, you mentioned, you know, either in the, I think there was a Time magazine article where a professor, uh, I think at Lawrence University or something, was had a class was basically do nothing. Right. And it became one of the most popular classes. So people, I think, deep down realize they need silence. Uh, but even a class like that in a, in a more secular environment can can remind us that quiet is helpful. Because the most important things are not busyness. You know, we're so focused on accomplishing things and, and earning, you know, money and income. And of course, I feel those pressures, but we weren't made for those things. We were made for deeper things. And, and I think that's why people love going into nature. They feel refreshed because we can leave those things behind. But, you know, in Christ, we have a much deeper 
way of entering into what matters most. And so even beyond nature, right, you know, in prayer, we're going to the one who made all of that, to the creator himself, to the one who is our, our very happiness. So people in our culture, I think, are beginning to kind of wake up and say, you know what, there's more important things than, than this rat race and the busyness and all the distractions. And, and they're looking for ways of unplugging, simplifying, but we can really give them a, a much more profound answer, you know, in that the peace that we have from prayer is much deeper than even anything else that you could find in nature and relaxation and kind of meditation that, that people do, you know, in, in different ways. You know, the other thing that I think people, you know, don't focus on enough today is silence during mass, right? Get there early so you can pray. Uh, you know, spend the time during uh, communion in, in deeper prayer and, and even after Mass, right? I think it helps us be more attentive. It, it helps us get into that mode of being a good listener. And so Mass is a great opportunity. And, and unfortunately, there's some Masses that are just, you know, people think, you know, it's a, it's a hall to talk after Mass. But if you can, spend time before and after Mass in silence to ref not only get ready for what you're about to receive, but be able to reflect on it as well. Yeah, I, I go into that in my new book that's coming out at the end of the month, How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization. I have a whole chapter on preparing for Mass and then kind of taking the fruits with us uh, after Mass. And, you know, that we prepare in different ways. I think even how we dress, what we eat or not eating, right, through fasting. We need to prepare through confession. Very important preparation. But yes, getting there before Mass to enter into silence is crucial because the most important way that we participate during Mass is by uniting ourselves to the action of Christ. I've mentioned before that, you know, Jesus leads us to the Father, but the Mass is essentially bring of himself and his body to the Father. And, and we are that body, right? We're drawn into that offering. And we, we give our own lives with Christ and become one with him um, in Holy Communion. And, and that presence is meant to stay in us so that we become tabernacles of Christ, that his Eucharistic presence abides in us and everything that we do. And so our very lives should be Eucharistic. And if we do live a Eucharistic life, that should be drawing us back to this silent encounter with God in prayer throughout the week. And I think it goes to what you were talking about, you know, trying to teach our kids silence, right? What, what better opportunity that when we bring our kids to mass, that we come and tell, all right, now this is quiet time. This is time for prayer. This is time, you know, to be with the Lord, to be open to how the Lord's speaking to us. So it is a great opportunity, I think, to remind us as adults, not only the importance of silence for us, but that teaching moment for our kids that silence isn't can be in many different areas, but obviously the most important is when we're in front of Christ. And so to teach them that early, I think, pays great dividends down the road. There are great prayers, like the prayer of St. Thomas Aquinas, but other kind of offerings that we can pray that kind of focus us in on what are we doing, right? You know, that we are entering into this prayer of praise, uh, of thanksgiving, of, you know, reparation, and also of petition that uh, before God. And so we try to center ourselves on the goal of the Mass, this the communion that we have with God and all these different ways, 
So I think it does help to actually pray before mass and to focus on those intentions. Um, and then it kind of gives us some um, to really, I think, direct us uh, during the mass in that silence so we remember what it's all about. So you also mentioned towards the end of your article, the, the importance of, you know, healing, you know, can come to us fully in that silence of adoration, the encounter with Christ. And the, re- and the reminder is that Christ is, right, the, the great physician. He is the healer, not only in confession, but being able to heal us by being in that deeper relationship. So as it's important as for our soul, we need to be healed on a regular basis because of our sinfulness. And this is a great reminder of how much healing can take place during this time of silence. Yeah, absolutely. And in a way, it's making space for Christ. Like he's there. He wants to help us every single day. But are we opening the door to him? Or are we kind of allowing him into our lives? Um, and he works in a lot of different ways. Like he will work directly through prayer and heal us in many ways. But I think also the more that we grow in this kind of daily relationship with him in prayer, he also guides us to other people, right? Because the healing that he gives us is usually also through family, friends, sometimes through doctors. It all goes together. But the key thing is opening that door to him every day so that he is truly Lord of our lives. Well, I think that's the bottom line, uh, right? If, he's, if he is that important in our lives, like sometimes we say he is, then we will spend time with him. And we spend time with him throughout the day at mass and adoration, but even as we go through our day, we seek guidance, we seek that. So, you know, we can look at really how much time we spend on different things during the day. And then we can say, what's the most important in our life? If we say it's the Lord and we spend little or no time with him except on Sundays, then really we're just kidding ourselves, aren't we? Yeah, I I think it's a great age. You can think how much time am I giving to God each day, each week, in the holy seasons? Like we have Lent coming up, um, and it really does show us our priorities. So if you compare your prayer time to how much time you're spending with entertainment, or are you working too much and, and making that you know into a kind of idol in your lives? I mean, that, these are key questions, and I think really would be helpful for us as we enter into Lent. Well, and. Lent, and as we go beyond, uh, you know, you, you know, your book's coming out, How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization, and it's a reminder to us just how important focusing on receiving Jesus is. It's, it's amazing to watch, uh, unfortunately, some people come up to receive Jesus, and they're more worried about patting people on the back and saying hi to people when they're coming up. Instead of spending that time in silence coming up in, in, in really great humility to know that we are receiving our Lord and Savior who we don't deserve, but he's giving us this great gift. And I think fostering silence throughout the week would actually help us to enter more deeply into the graces of Holy Communion so that that really can be the moment of deepest encounter, which it is, right? I mean, it's, it's this embrace where we become one with Jesus. Well, and at the end of each Mass, we're told to go, right? Go out to all the world, and share the good news we hear in the Gospels, but, you know, go, go, go. That's what we're told to do. But if we don't spend time knowing and receiving Jesus, and we're not going to be able to bring him to anybody because we're not going to know him if we don't have a deep relationship with him. 
And ultimately, I mean, that is how the Eucharist can save civilization, is that we enter into this deep communion with Christ, and he changes us through that communion so that when we do go out, ite misa est, right, we're sent on this mission out into the world, that we are these tabernacles that bring Jesus into the world, and he starts changing other people through us. He changes people through our work and, and our friendships, our family life, and the world begins to change. Civilization uh, is saved. Kind of one person at a time. And the Eucharist by far is the most powerful thing in the universe, right? There's nothing that compares. I mean, nuclear energy, I mean, no way, right? I mean, the, yeah. the Eucharist is the most powerful uh, reality in the world and it will begin changing everything. Once again, if we allow it to, if we open ourselves to that change. Well, we're not victims of circumstance, right? We get to decide what's most important in our life. We get to decide how we're going to spend a given day. So it really does rest upon us. And, you know, you mentioned how Trinitarian this is. Well, we've all, anybody who's been baptized has been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we already have God dwelling within us. We just need to be open to that guidance so that we can grow in our faith and grow in our love for him so that we can desire the greatest good that he has for us. And that is his body, blood, soul, and divinity here on this earth. I just always come back to the Last Supper discourse, you know, so in John's gospel, John 14 through 17 in particular, and Jesus says, abide in me, you know, and that yeah, he is the vine, we are the branches, and that the father is the the farmer, the, literally in, in Greek, he's the one who kind of dresses the vine, prunes it back. And this is that transformation that we will bear fruit, that, that God will change us, will bear fruit in our lives and the fruit of other lives if we allow them. And I think that brings us back to that time of silent prayer every day, that silence can save us, it can transform us, because it's giving this time to God and allowing him to enter um, and to give us his peace and his love um, and to act through us. Well, I really appreciate your time, Jared. How can people follow what you're doing? So I have a website, buildingcatholicculture.com. I also have a syndicated column. So the Denver Catholic puts it out. So you can see my column that comes out twice a month there. And it's picked up by other places like Catholic World Report. And you can also find uh, my books on uh, Amazon as well. Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.